So today is the 19th of May, 2021. We've come together to train our minds in mindfulness and collectedness to make our minds firm and stable. And the Lord Buddha taught to practice samadhi a lot, uh, to build our parami, our spiritual virtues, until our uh, ability to practice samadhi is full. When the, the Buddha was uh, still a bodhisattva in his last life, when he was seven years old, he sat in meditation under a tree, observing his in and out breath, observing uh, the breath and being with nature. And he was able to enter a state of deep concentration and this is the mind of the bodhisattva. Even as a child, the strength of his spiritual virtues was uh, much more than, than usual, much more than normal. And he would have been uh, close to jhana, close to absorption. At the very least, his body and mind would have been light with upajara, samadhi, neighborhood concentration, at the very least. And it could have been uh, deeper than this as well. And the upajara samadhi of the bodhisattva is uh, not a normal upajara samadhi, but it's the samadhi of a bodhisattva with completely full parami. So when he sat in meditation, his samadhi uh, was capable of being at the level of a jhana, of an absorption. So this is something that's not typical, not normal. A normal person uh, would not uh, be like this. They would be more lost in greed, aversion, and delusion. Uh, a typical person would not have uh, samadhi, and their mind would just chase after moods and sense impressions all day long. But we can see the bodhisattva, even as a young child, had this collectedness, this samadhi already. And he had a mind with uh, loving kindness and virtue as well, with uh, highly developed ultimate spiritual virtues, parami. We see that the bodhisattva was the most uh, developed, the best in the world, the highest in the world. And we have uh, faith in him, we have belief in him as the founder of uh, Buddhism. So for ourselves, we have a lot of merit uh, to be in this life, to have met with his teachings. So we have this faith and this belief in the Buddha, and we practice to follow the teachings of the Buddha. So the Buddha taught to practice dana, generosity, this uh, sacrifice and giving. So this is something that we do. For the, for the laity that have uh, money and material wealth, they share a portion of that wealth. They share the four requisites of uh, food, clothing, medicine, and shelter, and share it with the poor, with those in difficulty, uh, for instance, now with the COVID pandemic, there may be many experiencing uh, material lack, and one shares according to one's strength and energy. 
And there may be people that lack uh, sufficient food, sufficient water, sufficient medicine, or not having appropriate uh, or needed medical uh, machinery, such as breathing machines. So we help according to our faith and according to our energy. Then we get the benefits of this sharing. We feel uh, full and content in our hearts uh, because our hearts have this sacrifice and giving, which is a great merit. It's a foundation for us to do uh, more types of merit because it cuts off the sense of self. It reduces the sense of self, the sharing of uh, material wealth, the four requisites. And we can see nowadays, especially uh, nurses and doctors uh, sacrifice a lot. They work uh, very hard, work to the point where they're extremely tired and exhausted, even to the point where they'll uh, fall asleep at their desk or even pass out. This has happened. And even one or some individuals even uh, will die in the course of their work uh, helping others uh, die due to the COVID disease, the COVID virus. So we can call this uh, sacrificing one's life, giving one's life. So this giving, this is something we do as an act of merit, as an act of homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And another type of puja or homage is the practice of sila, virtue, and also the practice of mental cultivation of bhavana. We practice following the Buddha's teachings. We see the Buddha taught that the sila uh, gives rise to happiness, uh, fullness in our heart. And when we feel this uh, fullness and happiness and ease in our heart, then we feel that we want to keep practicing in this way. Because the heart with suffering uh, suffers because of this attachment to the self. This attachment to the self is the cause for suffering, for dukkha to arise. So we see that there's uh, clinging and attachment, and then there's fear as well and fear of old age, fear of sickness, fear of death. So given this, what should we do? We should practice and train our minds in samadhi. We can chant a lot, and this is training the mind, and also it's a way of paying homage to the Buddha. We can feel a faith and a fullness in our heart when we do this. We can recollect the qualities of the Buddha the limitless metta, loving kindness of the Buddha, the compassion which has no bounds with no comparison, how the Buddha wishes to help all beings, wishes to free them all from suffering uh, due to this limitless loving kindness and compassion. And we can think that the Buddha sacrificed everything for the sake of all beings to help them be free from suffering. As a bodhisattva, the Buddha sacrificed his life, sacrificed his own flesh and blood. And he did this uh, sacrifice of his uh, life and body 
in all of his lifetimes in order to build his parami to be full, in order to realize uh, the perfect self-awakening of Buddhahood. And this is something that's really not easy to come by. So we recollect the qualities of the Buddha, these great magnificent qualities, and this can give rise to rapture and happiness in our hearts. We may think that even for ourselves, we may help each other uh, just in this one life, and even that can feel difficult. And the example of the Buddha is that the Buddha helped beings and built parami in so many lifetimes. You can say millions and millions of lifetimes, and even more than that, such that one cannot even count the number of lifetimes that the Buddha Uh, used his life to help uh, living beings, to build his parami to be uh, completely full, to be the most parami. So we can see at the time when the Bodhisattva was born, this parami was already full. And then the Buddha realized uh, the perfect self-awakening and then taught taught us uh, how to follow in his footsteps in order to realize the same truth. So for ourselves, we consider that we're ready. We have everything we need. We practice uh, giving virtue and meditation. And this is very important. We practice to cut off wrong views with wisdom. And we use this wisdom with the various other qualities of the path. We do dana with wisdom, uh, doing giving uh, to just the right amount. We use wisdom with our sila. We practice sila intelligently. And we use wisdom with our samadhi as well. We use wisdom to not be too tight or too loose in our practice. And we should be very careful with this point. If we try to be too firm and too, um, too intent, then this can lead to clinging and attachment. And if we're too loose, then we'll just get lost in suffering. So may you make this just right. Follow the middle way. Uh, do it just right. Have effort in your practice. And we can see that one's mind is born and lives many lifetimes, even in the course of a single lifetime or even a single day. The eye sees a form and the mind is born right there. And same with the ear, the nose, the tongue, uh, the body and the mind. The mind is born into these various uh, sense objects and experiences. So we should be very careful at this point because this is right here is where the kilesas arise. And these kilesas, these defilements have been embedded in our hearts for a long time already. And they give rise to birth uh, right here in the present moment. So liking or disliking arises right here, where we are born and we die right here. So may you be very careful with this. Practice not to cling and not to chase after these moods and sense impressions. So may you be careful and restrained with this. In the beginning, we have this faith and belief, this uh, belief and faith that the Buddha is rightly self-awakened, 
uh, taught the liberating Dhamma to uh, to fellow beings, to us. And we have belief that the noble Sangha, those who have awakened after the Buddha, uh, do exist and have existed in the past and do exist in the present. And we have faith that this noble eightfold path that the Buddha taught is capable of curing suffering in the present moment. And there's no uh, new teachings that one needs in order to cure suffering. This noble eightfold path has been uh, taught perfectly and completely and is unchanged from the time of the Buddha. And just like the kilesas, the kilesas are just the same as they were uh, in the past. There's no new kilesas. They're all the same as they were before. So you can see ever since 2,564 years ago, we still use the same liberating path and it's still capable of curing suffering just the same. But we also must realize this path, it's something that one must walk oneself. The Buddha taught the path, the Buddha knew the path for himself, but the Buddha was not able to determine his mind to remove all the defilements from the hearts of all other beings. This is something that uh, can't happen because our karma is something that we've done ourselves. And so we must uh, do the karma to liberate ourselves as well. One must do it oneself. But the Buddha taught the way. The Buddha showed us the way and this finding of the way is something that's uh, very difficult to do. This uh, original finding of the way to be free of suffering this is something very difficult and it's something that the Buddha has done already. So the great teachers have taught a simile that it's like an orchard. This orchard has uh, apple trees, cherry trees, mango trees, uh, pear trees, um, citrus trees, and so on. And this orchard is uh, full of all these various uh, fruiting trees. And all we have to do is go pick a fruit and eat it. And the Buddha is the one who owns the orchard. And the Buddha simply teaches us to go into the orchard and eat uh, the fruit. So we can see that the, the Buddha had this uh, more difficult much more difficult task of finding the way before us and it's just up to us to walk the path. And the Buddha built this vast amount of parami over all these countless lifetimes and taught us the path of sila, samadhi and panya, this path which is the highest path, the best path. We practice to have mindfulness to see the drawbacks of clinging and attachment seeing that having been born, we must die. We must be separated from that which we love. And this is normal and natural. At this time in history, many people are dying due to the COVID virus. And some are allergic to the medicines that treat the virus or allergic to the vaccines. And some people die from this as well. We probably uh, get a lot of news about this, about this uh, change that's happening in the world with the pandemic. And the truth of reality, the truth of the way things are, is still the same, the truth of old age, sickness and death.
And so having met with this path to liberation, therefore we should practice it, we should walk this path to practice mindfulness, collectedness, practice this firm establishment of the mind, and to contemplate the body, contemplate all the things of this world as impermanent suffering and not self. And this is the mind object of vipassana, clear seeing practice. To see the body is just a composition of these four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. And it's the same for all beings in the world, for all the seven billion humans on the planet. They're all just composed of the earth, air, fire, and water. And when these elements degrade, if all the seven billion bodies all degraded and the earth, air, fire, and water returned um, to the world, then we'd see it's all just the same. All these beings have the same elements. They're not different. And the same with animals as well. All the other different types of beings are made out of earth, air, fire, and water. Whether the animals live in the land, in the air, in the water, they're made out of these four elements. It's just these natural elements is all it is. There's no self, no me, no you to be found. And this is a truly uh, miraculous uh, teaching of the Buddha. You can just take one uh, body part, for instance, the bones. And we see that the bones in our own body we cling to as me and mine. But if we take these bones out and compare them to the bones of another person, we look at them side by side. We see, are our bones and their bones, are they any different? We see that they're really just the same. But we cling to them as me and mine, as a self. And we separate things out into me and you, uh, them and theirs. And this is a cause for suffering to arise. And the Buddha taught not to cling in this way, not to cling to things as a self because this clinging just gives rise to suffering. So those with wisdom will understand this and see the Dhamma, see the truth of reality clearly. And those with little wisdom, they have to use their spiritual virtues and build their spiritual virtues further because their spiritual virtues are not yet ripe to see the Dhamma. So they have to build their parami first. Uh, build up their faith, for if they only have a little faith, to build it up to be strong. If they only have a little effort to keep practicing, keep cultivating effort, to be intent and to cultivate this firm application of mind. And if one's mindfulness isn't stable, then to keep practicing mindfulness. Because if one doesn't practice, then it won't improve and see that the mind with no mindfulness, we can say that this is the mind with clinging, with attachment. And we need mindfulness in order to know sense objects as they arise. And if we don't have this mindfulness, then we won't have any wisdom. And if we don't have any mindfulness, our minds won't be stable. So we practice uh, in this way, practice to cultivate uh, mindfulness and improve our mindfulness, then we can teach ourselves about the body and teach that the bones are not a me, not a mind, not a self, 
We can even just touch our own uh, hands, our own feet, our own arms, and just touch your, your arms and hands and feel the bones under the skin and contemplate the bones in the, in the arms, the legs, the feet, the hands, the head, the teeth, the face, and so on. And see that all these bones are anatta. They're not a me, not a mine, not a self. All these bones are same and are the same in that way. And the same with the water element. We can contemplate the blood and see that our blood, we cling to it as me and mine. But our, our blood doesn't know about this at all. It's just the the knowing element. Uh, with delusion clinging to things as a self. We see that upon death, the, the body is just like a fallen log. It has uh, no use, no value anymore. For instance, in this present uh, situation with the pandemic, people die from the COVID virus, and no one wants uh, the corpse that died from the virus. People just want to throw away the corpse because they are worried that they might catch the disease from the corpse. So we can see very clearly in this situation that the body is the house, is the residence for all these different diseases. We can see that other diseases like uh, cancer and so on uh, kill the body as well, but they're not uh, contagious. But when the body dies from a contagious disease, then particularly then no one wants the corpse at all. Even the close friends and family don't want to get close to the corpse. So we see here that the body is really the home to disease, the home of bacteria and viruses. So we see this more clearly. So may you contemplate this point, bring the mind to peace and then contemplate for the arising of wisdom. And when this clear knowing arises, the mind becomes bright and radiant. The mind realizes uh, emptiness. This gives rise to rapture and fullness in the heart. One sees clearly that there's no self, there's no me or mine, no you or yours. In reality, there's no self at all. So practice in this way, train in this way, in order to cure the suffering in one's heart train the mind to be good and bring up energy uh, to do this in order to understand clearly. Because if we don't practice, then the mind will simply be lost, be deluded all the time, won't have any understanding. And if one doesn't practice and one, uh, one's mind is deluded, then one, just in this one lifetime, one's mind will be lost every single day. And one will be lost and deluded in uh, lifetime after lifetime, in all of one's lifetimes. And we can see that even in the course of a day, as the mind receives the objects of the six senses, one is continually born throughout the day, over and over again, uh, countless times. And this is the birth of the self, uh, constantly being born. So may you train your mind to be still, at least some of the time. And this brings a lightness to your body and mind from the firm stability of mind. And then you're able to contemplate materiality and mentality 
as impermanent suffering and not self. This gives rise to wisdom. So we use this wisdom, or another way to practice is we use this wisdom in the beginning to contemplate using our thinking. We can ask ourselves, are material things stable? Are our bodies stable? And we see that no, they're not stable. And given that they're not stable, we really shouldn't cling to them because this is a cause of suffering. So do this, and this can bring the mind to emptiness, to spaciousness, to true wisdom. If one has a lot of work, a lot of duties, then endeavor to do these duties with mindfulness, to be firm in this, to keep contemplating uh, throughout the day, and to do this a lot. So may you have effort with this training and see that in this life we have this incredibly uh, precious and good opportunity to follow the teachings of the Buddha, to understand the Dhamma, and to follow the example of the Noble Sangha in this very life. So for ourselves in this lifetime, this means that we have great merit and great parami already. For some of us, we may have come from the other side of the world, crossed uh, the great ocean in order to come seek the Dhamma. So this means uh, one has sincerity already. So may you be sincere in your practice in order to see the truth, to see the Dhamma clearly. So may you make this, uh, make your mind firm in order to make this possible, to be able to see the Dhamma. If one thinks a lot, if one has a busy mind thinking a lot, then use one's meditation word a lot as well to bring up a lot of mindfulness. So if you think a lot, then practice in this way. One must have effort in this to bring up one's um, meditation word uh, quickly and often to bring it up in one's mind in order to bring the mind back into the body, to bring the mind into the body because the mind must be still in order to see the Dhamma. If the mind doesn't have stillness, then it's very difficult to bring about understanding. It just brings about understanding only on the level of perception of sanya. So may you practice in this way. May all of you uh, apply your hearts firmly in this practice. <laughs> 